Stay tuned for a conversation about the validity of Christian polygamy next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. You know, the debate about polygamy never stops. You know, for, for, <laughs> some, people, <laughs> for some people it doesn't matter. Live and let live, they say. For some, they shrug their shoulders and say, well, let adults do whatever they want to in their own bedrooms as long as children aren't involved. And there are some who don't care if children are involved or not. Others demand equal rights to marry whomever or whatever they want and in the quantity they choose. <laughs> Others claim, of course, that monogamy is the only acceptable mode of marriage. I get emails from people who call themselves Biblical Christians and believe that they can practice Biblical polygamy. Really? Yeah, because it is in the Bible, which is the same claim that is made by Mormons. The debate never ends. A while back, I received an email like that, and it <clears throat> goes like this. Hello, I've just discovered your YouTube channel and I'm thankful there are ministries to help those trapped in Mormon polygamy and lead them to the truth of the, of the Jesus of the Bible. What I'm wondering is whether you can direct me to particular episodes that address polygamy for non-Mormons, specifically born-again Christians. There is a heretical movement rising within Christian circles that embrace what they call biblical polygamy or biblical families. You can find these websites using those titles in quotes. I once believed that polyandry and polygamy were acceptable by God, but now I see I was gravely deceived. My husband, however, is still in this belief, and as his, as his mistress, to whom they refer to as his wife, they take a lot of support for their views from the website, and in this view, polygamy has nothing to do with salvation, but is seen as a spiritually acceptable relationship orientation, also known as polyfidelity. Po uh, polyfidelity. Poly I had that before. <laughs> I'm hoping you you may be able to share some eg exegesis from the Word, or even a thorough rebuttal of polygamy. A biblicalpolygamy.com, so-called truths from the Bible to help them see through these lies. Thank you in advance, and God bless. Well, we decided that it would be a good idea to revisit the topic of so-called Christian polygamy. We did do a show on it years ago uh, when we were doing the live television show, but it's been a long time. And so we're taking more time. Actually, we're going to do at least three yeah, shows, sure. three parts on this topic. Um, Christian polygamy, we believe, is a contradictory in terms, whereas the Christian polygamists call it a biblical concept. Now, in the Bible that they use to validate living polygamy today, we learn from that Bible that God had always warned His people not to adopt the ways of the nations around them. Leviticus 18 and Deuteronomy 18, both are good chapters to read about that. And in Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 17, God forbid the kings of Israel to take multiple wives. Immediately, we can know that any king, David and Solomon and included, were all violating the will of God in their polygamous practices. 
But the Christian polygamists have odd and creative ways of <laughs> twisting the scripture to justify their polygamy. We need to point out that there are things recorded in the Bible that are descriptive and some things that are prescriptive. And this is more important than most people realize. Descriptive gives information about what's going on. Prescriptive focuses on God's commandments and how we should live our lives. Descriptive explains what's happening many times without any mention of whether it's approved of God or not. But prescriptive will always explain God's will in regard to behavior. One pastor who preaches from the Bible explained the validity of polygamy from the view of the Old Testament setting like this. Yeah, Pastor Jermaine Johnson. For those using the Bible as a blueprint to enjoy polygamous relationships, the Bible is definitely not about that. Cheating and polygamous relationships have been challenges from olden days. It was also found among the prominent people of God who had evidence showing that God was with them. There is a common belief that once God uses you at all, you would have been perfect in your ways. That assertion is wrong. And I think that the Mormons do that when they bring up Abraham and David's polygamy and, and Jacob's. Now, Abraham and David and Solomon were used in great ways by, God's, by God, but they disobeyed him. In the, in the marriage practice of polygamy. So using sinners as an example for our behavior is wrong and dangerous. We are called to follow Jesus Christ, not Old Testament polygamists. We cannot use any man's polygamy, even those recorded in the Bible, as a blueprint for our behavior. Does God permit disobedience? Even amongst his own people? Yes, he did, and he still does. And this cannot be utilized to justify Joseph Smith and polygamy today either, because Joseph Smith commanded polygamy. He also said God commanded polygamy. Yep. He also made polygamy part of the salvation plan for Mormons. Now, Abraham and Jacob and David and Solomon, none of them ever commanded polygamy or hinted that God had told them to do it or that it was an essential. In fact, it is not recorded anywhere in all of the Bible where polygamy was ever commanded by God, as Joseph Smith claimed. Now, Christian polygamists don't follow Joseph Smith. True. They don't follow Mormonism. But they do say that since God did not explicitly forbid polygamy, but bless those who did it, that polygamy must be okay. And so polygamy is okay for today. Using this kind of thinking, we would have to conclude that it's okay to be a cannibal because there's no place in the Bible where God forbids, for, forbids eating people. Now, www.biblicalpolygamy.com is a website for Christian polygamy. It quotes a lot of Bible, but it takes biblical text out of context. It misrepresents original language and twists it to force it to say what it's not saying. And some of the twisting it does is magnanimous, whatever word <laughs> you might use, amazing. Uh, yeah. And on top of all that, they assume too much in order to make polygamy okay. Now, pro-polygamy websites have gone to a lot of time and trouble to find scriptures that they can use to validate today's polygamy. One of them is Isaiah 4.1. And we've talked about this passage a few times in the past, yeah. but 
Christian polygamists are using it as well as the Mormon polygamists, and they use it to justify a foundation to live polygamy. So we're talking about it again because their website uses it as a foundation. So we're going to quote what one of the websites said about Isaiah 4.1. Isaiah 4.1 could be seen as a forewarning that this prophecy could even be foretelling of any churches that adamantly refuse to believe or to allow themselves to see the biblically proven truth, but that polygamy, polygamy, really is biblical. That is, such churches want to be called by the name of Christ while they simultaneously close their ears to the biblical truth of polygyny. Now, just to get into the context of this passage, and anyone, if you get into it, anyone can see and detect that it has nothing to do with the Christian church and its rejection of polygamy. The passage context has zero bearing on whether Christian churches accept polygamy or not, like this man said. And we would hope that people would check him out with scholarly biblical commentators who know the Hebrew language and who rightly translate these passages. The context of Isaiah chapters 3 and 4 is not even polygamy at all. When determining the correct meaning of a passage, whether it's in the Bible or not, any place you read, anything you read, context must be observed. Otherwise, anybody can come up with any explanation, no matter how bizarre, and many of them do. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> now, he claims that in this passage of Isaiah 4.1, churches want to be called by the name of Christ, but they close their ears to biblical truth of polygamy. He goes on to say that in doing this, they are accusing Jesus of sinfulness because of the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 15, which he claims is an illustration of Jesus Christ making preparation to marry ten wives. See how he's clouded the issue with this? Now, we'll discuss the true meaning of the parable of the ten virgins later, but it has absolutely nothing to do with Isaiah 4.1 or Jesus marrying ten wives. (laughs) Or, excuse me, and wherever or however he ever got that idea, I don't know. I can't, I can't even pick it out. But it certainly shows how people read their preconceived ideas into the Bible rather than taking out of it what it is actually intended to teach us. Now, about Isaiah 4.1, we will quote from a three-volume exposition of the book of Isaiah from a linguistic, historical, and spiritual viewpoint with valid and expert ex exegetical explanation by Edward J. Young, professor of Old Testament at Westminster Theological Seminary. Yes. <laughs> Desolation reaches its high point in what, what this verse describes. Here in vivid and concrete form, the coming misery is depicted. The verse continues the reference to the women of Judah by showing the desperate straits to which they will be reduced in order to protect themselves from reproach. Seven women are mentioned, by which we are simply to understand a large number. Because of the calamity which has befallen Jerusalem, a great disproportion between the sexes has also appeared. In the ordinance of creation, men and women were to stand in equal ratio, one woman to one man. The desolation caused by war has so changed this that now the ratio of seven to one may be used. 
So he's bringing mm. this exactly historically correct of what's going on in that passage. They're talking about the women of Judah, not Christians, not Mormons. It is God's judgment against the people of Judah that is prophesied here. Notice that that polygamy is a judgment, a negative thing. An unmarried female in those times meant that she was unprovided for and unprotected. We quote again. With this verse, we come to the conclusion of the announcement of judgment against the women of Jerusalem. This oracle has formed a companion piece to those directed against the wicked officers and rulers of the land. Together, the two are but specific illustrations of the more general condemnation and judgment which was to come upon Jerusalem. So a polygamist cannot honestly get into that passage and say, claim it means what this man yeah. claimed that it meant. Of all the passages in the Bible, people that people use to validate polygamy, this one is the worst. Well, one of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> there are many places in the Old Testament where polygamy is practiced and therefore used to verify that it is a biblical and accepted practice. But anyone can make the Bible say almost anything they want it to say. It's easy to pull a verse out of context, put it into a different context with a different time frame and with a different stress or chain of events, then make it mean something completely foreign to God's intended meaning. As honest readers of the Bible, we cannot mistake reporting something being and the same, uh, the same as condoning or encouraging it. Like in Isaiah 4.1, the context determines the interpretation and a knowledge of the biblical Hebrew language is certainly as indispensable as yeah. you properly get the interpretation. There's a difference between teaching a law and explaining a behavior. The Bible records rape, slavery, lying, stealing, but where did God ever indicate that those practices were okay? It's true. Polygamy was a cultural practice, but it was never acceptable in God's eyes because God does not change, and God initiated both marriage and monogamy. God did, however, direct the people on how to deal with people who do those things. He always used or often used if. If a man take another wife, if a man is found guilty of rape, if a man takes a slave, none of these indicate that God is excusing bad behavior and there is not a single passage in the Bible where he blesses polygamous marriages. But he did pronounce blessing on monogamous marriages. Yeah, as early as Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He blessed them. Yes. Male and female. One man, one woman, and he blessed them. Now, Lamech was the first person yeah. to change God's divine order of marriage. He was a descendant of Cain, who the Bible says went out from the presence of the, or the Lord. Now, this is very important. And these, these biblical uh, pro-polygamy websites uh, say that what we use as an explanation of Lamech's polygamy is way off base. Hmm. That, that has nothing to do with why he lived polygamy. Okay, but, but we have to refute what they are saying about this. 
Lamech went out, or Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and he settled down, and he had his family, and he started industry and business, but he was away from the presence of the Lord, and Lamech was born in that environment. So Lamech's polygamy is very important. In fact, it's extremely important in the biblical narrative of the intrusion of polygamy into human marriage practices. Lamech initiated the first polygamy as recorded in Genesis 4, which we'll quote. Now, we're going to quote what this man says about Lamech's polygamy. Lamech in chapter 4 of Genesis. Because that passage is the first explicitly recorded example of a polygamist in the Bible, and because Lamech was a murderer, they, they make a false association between polygamy and murder that never exists. That is, because the first explicitly recorded example of polygamy in the Bible is associated with that of a murderer, that somehow proves that polygamy itself is sin. Now, that is not the way we, certainly is not the the way we look at it at all, but but saying and the Bible telling us that Lamech was a murderer certainly expresses or explains Lamech's character to us. That's true. Okay. Now, the, the, and, and it's, uh, actually it's a lousy example for pro-polygamy, <laughs> Lamech's polygamy is, but we have another quote. Okay, even beyond that, that same Genesis 4, 19 through 24 passage itself also reveals that if one applies this same logic, one would equally have to say that the following are also somehow sinful due to these particular matters being the first recorded examples and because they are so recorded as associated with that of the murderer Lamech and his family. Dwelling in tents, having cattle, harps, organs, and artificers in brass and iron. Obviously, that is wholly absurd. (laughs) And he's right. It is absurd, especially because he's comparing apples with bananas. God never initiated a marriage between people and industry. But he did between a man and a woman. And And he did decree a marriage as monogamous. So it's ridiculous to compare monogamy with industry. His argument just isn't valid. After Lamech, polygamy became widespread. In fact, many Bible scholars see the flood of Noah's time and the wickedness that had consumed Earth's population was a result of men taking all the wives they wanted. We quote. Genesis 6, chapter, uh, or verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they choose. Okay, now <laughs> the phrase where it says they took wives of all which they chose indicates multiple wives. So the polygamy that began with Lamech was a spreading moral spiral downward. (laughs) Here is what one Bible commentator says about this passage. Of Genesis 6-2. But the phrase, took them wives of all, which they chose, evidently implies something very different from the simple exercise of a free choice. And it seems a conclusion perfectly warranted by the terms of this passage that the practice of polygamy had widely spread until it became the chief cause of that universal corruption and violence which ensued. Now that's pretty scary. If the polygamists could kind of get this under their belt, maybe they would rethink (laughs) what they're doing. And so uh, God gave them 120 years to repent, and those were the number of years it took Noah to build the ark. 
as he was warning the people of why he was building the ark. No one listened to Noah, and the corruption just got worse and worse. Polygamy was part of the problem, so God flooded the planet. It's important to note that neither Noah nor any of his sons were polygamous. Hmm, and, 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 and if anybody should have been, it would have been them to repopulate the world. But they like to point out those people who were polygamous in the Bible, not those who weren't. Now, later, many of the leaders of Israel became polygamous, but it was always the kings that took many wives, or almost always. Very few of the prophets did. Yeah. And, and yet, when you read it in Mormon polygamy... It's like everybody did. All the prophets. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, everybody well, did, but certainly the prophets did. True. And, and by the way, when we compare Mormon, uh, Mormon polygamy with Old Testament polygamy, um, Joseph Smith wasn't a king. Was he? No, no he, he wanted he tried to be crowned to be. king of the earth. But. <laughs> he tried to be, but he, no, he was never a king. He was never a king, and so and but yet they compare him, so who was, was called a prophet, as the kings of the Old Testament who practiced polygamy, and God told the kings not to. Yeah. I mean, you can't get. How can you get more clear than that? I, <laughs> Another I, reason it isn't true. Oh <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Christian polygamy is not Mormon polygamy anyway. So, but just anyway, like many of the other sins that's recorded in the Old Testament, God endured the practice of polygamy, but it was in direct opposition to His ori- original intent of monogamy for marriage. Now we talk a lot about God's original intent for marriage because frankly that happens to be a very important foundation for monogamy. However, pro-polygamy arguments ridicule the idea that the first marriage which God Himself created and God Himself gave away the bride and God Himself said a man should cling to his wife, it's singular, not plural. All, it's singular. The That's two true. shall become one. And we quote again from this pro-polygamy website. Namely, the argument asserts that because the scriptures only record that God seemingly only made one Eve for Adam, that somehow implies an original plan of God for marriage only for monogamy. The resulting implied speculation from that is that polygamy is to be perceived as somehow against that perceived original plan of God for marriage. Upon deeper investigation, however, that speculative assertion does not hold up. Well, actually, it does hold up. His his speculation doesn't hold up, but that one certainly does. And, And then he rattles around trying to explain that an original creation, man wouldn't die, but now he does. In the man and the woman were naked, but now we wear clothes. So it follows that the original monogamy can be changed into polygamy. That's the way he logics this. And then he rabbit trails into the idea that Jesus is a polygamist. This is interesting. The plan of God for marriage is detailed as being modeled after not the example of the first Adam of flesh and his wife, Eve, but after the example of the second Adam, which is Christ of spirit and his churches. Following this model, each husband is to love his wives as selflessly, foot-washingly, and life-givingly as Christ so loves the churches that he laid down his life in the depth of such love, so too each wife is to love her husband as each church so loves the one and only Christ Jesus. As there is only one Christ for the churches, there is only one husband. And as there are more than only one church loved by Christ, as there are more than only one church loved by Christ, it would not be sinful if there be more than one wife. 
This is confirmed by the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And again, in, in <laughs> another part another of this series, we will discuss this parable of the ten virgins. But you can see how he wiggles his way through yeah. the text and twists it <laughs> to mean something that it's never been intended to right. mean. Um, and we'll talk about Christ and his one church, not many churches also, in um, an, another part of the series. <laughs> um, the, it's a it's a terrible application, but by the way, Joseph Smith used the ten virgins. Did he? Um, as a reason, so did Brigham Young. Oh boy! And I think Orson Pratt did too. Yeah, Orson Pratt did for sure. But that and and a lot of people think the ten virgins that he brings out in section one thirty two yeah. comes from that parable of the ten oh, virgins. Oh, sure. You know, would, if yeah. a man give ten virgins and right. he hasn't committed adultery, right. that he's picked it up from that. <laughs> but anyway, we do need to to correct his assertion that because there's more than one church, Jesus has more than one wife, and so men can be polygamous. If the marriage in the Garden of Eden is not the model for monogamy, why is there so many commands against polygamy in both the Old and the New Testaments? But there's never a command or admonition to practice polygamy anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> and if monogamy is not the model for marriage, why does God bless monogamy, but he never blesses polygamy? And if monogamy yes. is not God's model, why is every single incident of polygamy in the Bible a negative narrative, but there are many narratives of monogamy that are not negative? That was tongue twister, but... Yeah. <laughs> so we wonder if God's trying to tell us something with all of this. And we can't fail to mention that he, like so many others, claims that Moses was a polygamist and Moses recorded Genesis. So if monogamy was God's original plan and Moses wrote it down, why was he a polygamist? Therefore, polygamy is okay. Of course, <laughs> there's logic. no real logic in that reasoning either. And Moses was not a polygamist. There's no record in the Bible at all that he had more than one wife at a time. And when we research the genealogies in the Old Testament, we find mention of men's polygamous wives, their names, and the children from his wives. But you can look in all the genealogies, and there's no listing anywhere of more than one wife from Moses and no children from any other wife than one woman. Yeah. So Moses and, wasn't. And didn't Abraham, uh, wasn't Sarah, hadn't Sarah died when he married his second wife? He, when he married Keturah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sarah died in chapter 24, and I think it's chapter 26 that it talks about him marrying Keturah. So he was never really a polygamist. Uh, well, other actually... Than other than the, the then Hagar, that, Hagar, that yeah. little time with Hagar. And what's interesting is when Hagar gave birth to, um, to her son, right. he, she didn't give birth to any more children. And so, and she went back to be Sarah's handmaid, not Abraham's wife. Plus, it was Sarah that gave him to Abraham, Sarah. not God. Sarah that did it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we do have at least three parts, like we said, of this series, trying to, to straighten out some of the misconceptions about Christian polygamy or biblical polygamy or biblical families. But you're so, seeing more of this. There's, there's, you're seeing more polygamy in the Christian culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they claim, they claim to be. Claim yeah. to be. Yeah. 
Okay, well, we'll see you next time. Okay, Earl, thanks, thank Doris. you. Appreciate it. <laughs> you know, we realize that we can do nothing to change the minds of people who want to believe what they believe. Our purpose is not to change people's minds, but it is to invite them to check things out, to approach the Bible, not with preconceived notions or a stubborn heart, but as a child getting ready to learn something fresh and new and being willing to let God speak his truth, not what we want to hear. We use the Bible because those who defend polygamy also use the Bible. And because Jesus said that not one word, not even one punctuation mark will be lost from his word. So we can trust it. We can trust what the Bible teaches. But the reader must also include all of it from cover to cover to be able to grasp its full intent. And the reader also needs to trust Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.